Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special presentation on the National Wiffle Podcast Network. This is going to be, my name is Sam Skibby, and this is going to be our NWLA tournament format reveal, talking about teams. And alongside me today, joining me is one of the co-tournament directors, Rudy Lyon. Rudy, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great, Sam. Thanks for having me on. Let's get this thing going. Yeah, you know, you have been an integral part of the NWA tournament last year, getting it to Indianapolis, and now this year again. And you guys had the pleasure of hosting the 10th ever NWA tournament last year in 2021. You know, talk about kind of the growing pains. You know, what was something that happened last year that you want to change to get better at this year? You know, or what's something that you thought went really well that you want to continue into this next year as well also? You know, I'll start with... What went well, because uh, we were we were honestly overwhelmed with a lot of the compliments and encouragement uh, that we got upon, you know, people enjoying the Friday night festivities, uh, those opening games, the home run derby, all at the dirt yard, um, the tournament format itself. Uh, the weather was perfect. It was a little hot for September in Indy, but um, yeah, we were really encouraged, exhausted, obviously, as a, as a host team here in Indy. Uh, but a lot of things went well, and we both, like Brendan and I specifically, uh, we kind of had conversations afterwards, took a deep breath, and we're like, you know what, that was a, a huge success, very tired, we're going to sleep for the next couple days, but um, th- there were a lot of people that enjoyed their time. Now, what we could improve, uh, I think, is, well, one thing in particular that I think was a bit of a hang-up in terms of even though the tournament format I thought was really fun and cool with the crossroads theme and kind of a, a, a mixed um, pool style to start on Saturday, uh, we didn't really anticipate for there to be ties in pool play. And we know that there were a couple teams that went 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their pool, and that created some chaos in how we seeded uh, for bracketing. So. Uh, sometimes you, you think you think of everything and then on the fly, you realize that you didn't think of everything. And that was kind of the, the one hiccup. And it's always in the middle of a, a random new site, right? For a tournament, there's always hangups. I feel like too, when it comes to Wi-Fi and getting the, the routers set up how you're supposed to. And last year there was a lot of games that weren't quite recorded. And this year we're kind of going to the United Wiffle format where teams are going to actually record their own games. And it's worked out so great for United Wiffle. And I think it's a, a great thing for many tournaments to do because so many people have either, you know, unlimited data that they can put out their phone and they can put it out there to whatever they want. And we'll link it on the website and we'll link and find those links from other teams. And I think it's going to work out well. And then teams can kind of take ownership of that. So that's one thing too, that I know a lot of people were a little upset about last year, but Mm -hmm. that's the, like you said, those growing pains and those growing things that we can do to get better this year. Super exciting. A couple announcements have come out for this year's tournament in Indy. We're going to be on the lit field that was next to the Mary Bryan elementary. So it's going to be on the baseball field lit up so we can go all the way late until we need to, to finish games, not have like an SWBL HRL stop in the middle of the game (laughs) and extra innings and come back the next morning. It's, it's going to be nice to be on that field. Everybody loved the, the video revealing that. A couple of the reveals we had were the change for the Home Run Derby. Home Run Derby is now going to be for money um, and sponsored by uh, Burt's Bats, you know, and uh, they'll win money and a bat from Burt's Bats as well. And then we also have the barbecue, which will be free for all players um, and coaches as well. So something that will all of the tournament 
fees and everything can go towards that barbecue to give everybody a dinner on Friday night. So they have to go out. So, you know, is there anything else that you guys are excited for bringing this second year under your belt for the NWA tournament? I think uh, from, from a workload standpoint, like you mentioned, being able to play at uh, Southport High School's field. Yeah. Now it's the high school varsity team, but they play at the local elementary school uh, where uh, Dudas coaches. And uh, to it's going to be such a simpler process utilizing the outfield grass yeah. and the outfield fence. Um, I think just having a year of under our belt with the, the volunteers and the, and the guys with dirt ball and circle city Whiffle helping out, they're going to, they're going to know there's not going to be as much time. Just like, okay, how are we setting everything up? What's yeah. the game plan got to be? It's kind of in our back pocket already. Yeah. I feel like that was the same thing with Morenci, right? Morenci kept getting better and better at the field building and understanding what, and you guys did such a great job last year. I felt like the fields were phenomenal. They were all basically the same by maybe an inch or two, a centimeter or two, all the fields were the same. And you set up six last year. Um, so this year only being able to set up four. And that brings me to my next point, And that's the teams, you know, we have actually gone down last year. We had 18 teams attend the NBA tournament, but due to the move in July and some scheduling issues for different teams we've had a bunch of teams drop and this year we're going to roll with a 12 team tournament and I'm not going to lie to you Rudy there was a part of me that's like 12 teams like come on we haven't done this in so long but one of our new committee members uh, Tom Gannon put it really well and he said sometimes having 12 teams that are super committed to coming it's going to be a lot of fun to hang out on a more personal level with these guys get to know them a little more too. And it's a smaller venue, right? We're going to have four fields. You can be with one another a little closer. More teams will get to the dirt yard in the tournament field. So a third of the, of the tournament field will get to go to play at the dirt yard in those last games. So that's something cool that, you know, the dirt yard is that pinnacle of where you want to end up. So I think my, vision or my my mindset has changed on a 12 team tournament and i think it's going to be a really special one and hoping next year a lot more teams come back but let's talk about these teams there's been many returning teams coming back but before we talk about the returning teams let's talk about who's missing because we've had a bunch of big name leagues drop out we had former champions hrl will wsem the ocwawaa conglomeration team is not coming back as well so those right there are if you break up that uh, ocawaa team that's five champions from the past that aren't showing and then tampa bay who hasn't been here in a while that's six of the seven champions so this year only gbl is returning as a champion that's pretty interesting that, you know, we're losing people. There's no Flackney, there's no Bush, no Kayvon, no Cole, none of these mainstays from a while, but there's still other stars. I feel like on the other teams that'll be there, you know, what's your, what's your thoughts behind all those teams dropping and is it kind of good? We're going to maybe see it's we have a one or 11 out of 12 chances. It's going to be a new champion this year. Right. I know with, with that in mind, you know, it almost pits the, the classic almost, uh, I think of in Tiger Woods terms, like are you taking Tiger or the field? Like, are you taking the returning champ, yeah. the only team in GBL that has a trophy versus the others that don't? And yeah. I think that that adds an element of excitement. It's like, I think it puts maybe more like pressure or incentive on GBL to defend their crown, but yeah. it also adds a little bit of spice to like, Hey, if we're ever going to like, if any team is ever going to win a title, like this would be the year to make a run, you know? 
Yeah. And GBL, obviously strong roster, bringing back many of the same people. And the only person that's really changing is they're adding Ryan Bogus as Leroy will not be in attendance this year as well. We'll talk about some player movement in just a moment, but let's talk about the other teams that are in attendance besides GBL, the former champs. Obviously you have mid Atlantic wiffle ball widely known as one of the best leagues in the country will be attending. Um, they have a strong roster as well. We'll talk about too Ridley park wiffle ball. It seems like they find all these guys in their town in Pennsylvania. And I tell you what, they are all amazing at wiffle ball. Um, our league in Missouri here, the SWBL, you guys, CCW and KWL. And that's going to round out what you have coined the top six. Now we're going to kind of go with this in a couple days, you're going to be revealing the pools for us. And we're going to have a little pool play draw. Do you want to kind of explain that knowing this is our top six and how we're going to kind of break that up into the three pools of four? Yeah, like you just said there, it's it's going to be three three pools of four, not four of three. A lot of people think, oh, well, you need to do a nice round number of four pools. But I think in a tournament of 12 teams, it is more, um, I think, important to have more pool play games and emphasize that, knowing that no matter how you do at least a semi-traditional bracket-style tournament after pool play, there's going to be uh, four by teams, teams that get an advantage. So I think that is a, is a cool yeah. element to incentivizing pool play, um, which I know in committee meetings with you and the others, like that's something we're always trying to incentivize and talk yeah. about. It's, it's a hot uh, issue or hot topic in, in our conversations. Um, I, <clears throat> with, with pool play uh, being is what it is, you're essentially going to, we're going to draw and how I'm going to draw these teams uh, from the, the tier one and tier two, the top six and bottom six. And each of those three pools is going to get two top tier. And well, I'll, I won't say top and bottom, but two tier one and two tier two. Yeah. So it this way, and this was a point that you made, the, the new teams that are coming for the first time, that doesn't automatically like segregate them from the rest of the other nine teams that have experience coming yeah. Uh, to this tournament. So there, there's, there's a little more randomization in that where you're not like last year, it was tier one, tier two, tier three, uh, tier four, so on and so forth. You were guaranteed to have one of each. You could have the top two finishing teams sure. of these 12 in the same pool. Yeah. And there's something to be said too, with so many other teams that are gone, right? You have three of the top four teams from last year that played at the dirt yard, three of those teams aren't here. So essentially while GBL is number one, you know, the next best after that was mid Atlantic. So, and they were fifth. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's going to be a, a kind of a, it's kind of a good way to think about it that way, because even if GBL and Ma are in the same pool, it's not necessarily the best two teams from last year, sure. just the two teams that happen to be left from last year. But, you know, let's talk about the tier two teams. You have your, your old team, the dirt balls are coming back. You know, they are mm -hmm. filling in. We will kind of dropped last minute, just a couple of days ago and mm -hmm. dirt ball was going to just do the help out. Um, but obviously being in, being in Indianapolis, you know, it's an easy transition to slide a team in. And we always kind of had you guys pegged as a backup team anyway, in case somebody dropped. So it's nice sure. to have it in the back pocket for sure. Um, you have Yish returning Yish, the, uh, the, <laughs> 
great guys from Yish and they played in that first game at the Dirt Yard debut against MLW. Um, and then Berwin Wiffleball will be back again with Ronnie Zadarski and Keith Liska at the helm. And then we have three teams that are quote unquote new. One of them, um, Greater Cincinnati Wiffleball League, has played in the Endelay tournament before. And it's nice that we are going to see them back in action um, in 2022. They had their 10th season of Wiffleball um, themselves. So it's kind of a cool tradition for them, you know, coming back on their 10th season with all their experience that they have. Some big names like Jim Bryant coming back as well. And then we also have a team that is new as a league, and that's Electric Wiffleball, but uh, they are are not strangers to this style. They, you know, people like Nate Cruz are on that roster and um, Aussie is going to be back who has played in an NWA tournament before with HRL, the Hitmen. So we're going to see a lot of familiar names with this electric city wiffle ball um, as well. And then you also have PLW, which is one of the more up and coming famous leagues around the country. Tom Gannon will be kind of bringing that team from Vegas. And it's going to be really interesting to meet those guys and see how they transition. They play with yellow bats. They play, kind of on a, a a little bit slower of a speed but they do very well with those balls and those the bats that they could be used to it's not really base running um, in the sense that they do it so that's their biggest transition um tra changing over so those those are your top and like you said shouldn't say top and bottom but those are your tier one right. and tier two teams um just to kind of recap for everybody out there the pool play will be drawn into three pools and it will be two teams from tier one and two teams from tier two will be pulled and Rudy will be doing that live on a video coming up when Rudy tell the people when, so they know. Fourth of July don't have an exact time, but we're going to, like we wanted to say, you know, you get fireworks in the evening on independence day. We'll give you a little pre firework fireworks with wiffle ball. Love that. Some fireworks before the competition begins indeed. So, uh, you know, these are your 12 teams that are in this tournament. Nobody can predict like always who's going to even make it to the dirt yard. We're going to talk about format in just a moment. Another cool thing about pool play before we get started is everybody will get three pool play games. So you will play everybody in your pool and something kind of neat bringing it back from a 12 team field is we are not going to time the pool play games like we've had in the past. Is that, am I correct there? We're just going to lower the innings, or did I miss misspoke there? I think that's uh, up in the air, but I think we may still need to do time. Limit. Gotcha. Well, <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens too. But the you know, it, with only twelve teams in the field, it's going to be a lot of fun to have more of a, a spread out tournament, I feel like. And it can be something, we have a lot of cool things that we're changing up. Tom Gann and Jimmy Cole coming up with some great ideas to implement as well from the committee that we're kind of putting together. Um, having, like we said, a third of the field make it to the dirt yard. Why don't you walk us through? We know pool play is going to happen on Saturday. We're going to wake up. It's going to, we're all going to be playing three pool play games and then it's going to be seeding in the early afternoon. But kind of talk us through, Rudy, what happens after pool play? Obviously, the top three from each of those pools will probably be making it out and getting a buy, but there's also going to be one quote-unquote wild card team that will be there too. So talk to us about the, the next step after pool play. Yeah, so once we uh, complete our round of pool games, I do uh, roughly about 3.30, 4 o'clock, assuming we still have time limit for those games. Uh, the, the six games in each pool will have been wrapped up by then. Uh, and we're going to do something here, too, where the Tier 1 teams from last year's finish are going to be backloaded in the scheduling so that 
there's more incentive for those late afternoon games because uh, it could mean that a buy is on the line if yeah. those teams. Now, again, who's to say that a tier two team isn't going to make a run and end up in a buy? But with going with what we know, that's how we're going to schedule it out. But once we get through uh, bracketing placement and scheduling, you're talking like dinner time start, six o'clock. Uh, all four first round games are going to be in play. Uh, now, if you lose, this this is kind of the beauty of a 12-team tournament, too, is everyone's going to survive day one. You're guaranteed to be spending a night in Indy. You're going to be playing uh, Sunday morning no matter what. Uh, if you lose, you just can stick around, enjoy the late games, or head to your Airbnb, hotel, whatever. If you win, you're playing again against those four teams that got a bye. Uh, now, if you lose in that game, you're going to be playing at 8 a.m. Sunday morning. So at any point on Saturday evening, if you lose, you're going to be playing at 8 a.m. And this is where it kind of gets tricky, and it's kind of the 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 nuance and a little bit of the messiness of a 12-team tournament is there's no beautiful way to stagger the bracket to where to be viewed, I guess, in 100% fair. And we're going to uh, – similar to last year with the Crossroads yeah. games yep. – it's in effect, it's like crossroads again, but in the loser's bracket. So if you're in the upper left quadrant of uh, double elimination uh, for the first game of tournament play, if you lose, you drop down to loser's bracket. But on the complete opposite side, say the lower right quadrant, you would play the loser of that second, second round, round game. Yeah. So that's not that that probably doesn't make sense as you're hearing this via uh, audio. If you're able to see a bracket, which we'll get out on social media at some point, it'll make more sense. But um, it you're pretty much guaranteed to be playing someone across the bracket. It's going to be a new opponent uh, in yeah. the losers bracket games. And obviously, the thing to note there too is uh, the lo- one of a loser from a round one game will be playing a loser from a round two game. So if you win that game, you kind of have a little bit of an advantage, you know, going into it because you also, if you win the first round game, you'll have your quote unquote ace. If you want to do it that way for the first losers bracket game that you'll have in the morning where the other team will not. So it's, there's a lot of incentives here, you know, to try Mm -hmm. to win early and win often. It's kind of that you mentality, like what you want to, you want to beat the team in front of you. Right. And you want to keep winning so you can have that path to get to the dirt yard as easy as possible. I I really like this format. You know, it's, it's fun to change formats. Just Mm -hmm. last year for the first time, we, you know, the past couple of years, we've been changing it up to kind of make it a little more interesting um, than the same old thing that we've been doing for years and years. And a lot of people like new formats and there's always going to be things that work out that don't work out, but who knows, this might be the perfect one. I really like the reseeding going into it um, Mm -hmm. in the next round and it's all cut and dry. It's there for you. We will have this out like Rudy said on social media. So you can see what we're talking about. You can see where you would play wherever you end up once the bracket is made on Saturday afternoon. So talk to us, Rudy, about who will be playing at the dirt yard, you know, talk about those, those games that we're going to have at the dirt yard when you get to kind of the end of the loser's bracket, end of the winner's bracket and into the finals. Right. Yeah. So uh, you talked about too, it pays to win early and often. So let's say you go two and zero on Saturday night in uh, bracket play. You're, you're sitting, you're sitting pretty. Cause then also you get to sleep in a little bit. You don't have to play until nine 30. And then you're also one win away from playing at the dirt yard, which yeah. would be 
uh, in the winner's bracket championship. And then from that point on, which is around 1130 or noon, uh, every game beyond that is going to be played at the dirt yard. So we could have upwards of five games played at the dirt yard. Uh, should we go to an, if necessary. Now I do miss the whole single limb final four, like you're yeah. punching your ticket to the dirt yard, like last year, but again, just kind of a, a, a casualty to the system at this point. Yeah. Uh, but the cool thing is we will have potentially more games and more teams at the dirt yard. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be really exciting to see which teams get there. And like you said, the win early, win often is kind of the mentality for any tournament, obviously. But end of a tournament, you could lo- kind of lose one. And sometimes it's a little bit better for you or whatever happens. You know, if an eight, you have your ace drop down against another team. So there's so many differences in tournaments and, and nuances, like you said. But I really think it's going to be an interesting you know, style and format to try out this year. And like you said, we haven't had 12 teams in quite a long time. So we had to kind of figure out what would work best. And obviously the dirt yard being where everybody wants to be at, this is going to be exciting to see which four teams make it there. Um, Anything else about the format, anything else about the bracket that you wanted to share before we move on, Rudy? No, I just, this, you've probably learned too, just being on the committee with me for the last uh, couple of years. This is where I kind of nerd out. I don't know why uh, having worked in recreation sports, like putting the puzzle pieces together and and doing bracketing can be such a mundane, simple thing. But this is where like my creative juices get flowing. Like I know I was spitting out three different options based on how many teams we were going to get. And we had great back and forth with the committee. And I I think as time, as I kept uh, spelling these options out, this one kind of made the most sense to me. And it was evident that everyone else was on board with it. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see how it plays out. It honestly is very much pretty much exactly like a 12 team double elimination tournament. The only difference would be it makes it a little more fair in the sense that you have that reseeding um, mm-hmm. from the first. It kind of gives that advantage to the teams, like you said, that win in their first round game too. like you want to go for it. And it gives incentive too to win with your ace. Right. You don't want to yep. take a, an easy game lightly and possibly not have your race for that next round, too, if something goes wrong. So it kind of incentivizes all of that as well. Um, pool play seems to be incentivized. The, the bracket winning early seems to be incentivized. So I think we're getting a good mix of what everybody's been kind of wanting, or at least a good quorum of people have been wanting as well. You know, at the beginning, we talked about all these names that were missing from the tournament, right? We've had so many former MVPs, you know, Jimmy Cole, Kayvon, Bush, Flackney, guys that aren't going to be there um, for, for this coming season. But there's still many, still so many stars that are in this tournament. You have, you know, your GBL guys, you have the Yonkmen, you have Wes, you have Detmar that's coming back um, for GBL in their championship run. The entire Mid-Atlantic roster is pretty much all stars, right? Like the entire juggernauts team team of the year from last year they're all playing for team maw you have a baronowski who just pitched great for mlw that's going to be joining grant miller and mike hogan for the kwl team and you have of course you know some flamethrowers cam smith tommy loftus um you know ccw has a couple flamethrowers it seems like with reed warner coming as well and then you know brendan dudas um obviously a great hitter in his own right the the host but also will be playing for ccw there's a couple of groups of people I wanted to talk about with you. Um, there's a couple of players that played in a different, um, different team last year, and they're kind of changing over something new this year. And it's kind of going towards that. The 
it's still the same rule applies. Like we want you to play in that league to go. It's not like we just want to say, Hey, I'm going to join, you know, mid Atlantic because I want to, you know, I haven't played in mid Atlantic, but I want to play with those guys. So I'm going to play, but playing the three games minimum gets you to move wherever you want. And that's something the committee really talked about last year was, you know what, who cares if Brendan Dudas plays in CCW dirt, Skibby goes to KWL, goes to grip a ball and plays in all five, let him compete with whatever team he wants, as long as he qualifies for that team. So we're kind of, you know, we've been kind of lax with that part of it too. And a lot of these guys are all qualified how they're supposed to. There's a couple of people though, that changed over from previous years, you know, yourself, you are going from dirt ball kind of to the, the CCW team. You pitched great in pool play for dirt ball last year and Thank you're you. kind of coming back for, to CCW, your baby as well. And that'll kind of, let you kind of do things pool play and then run the tournament itself afterwards when it gets down to the nitty gritty stuff. Another person that moved from the OCAWAA team, Nick Lee moved from them to team mid Atlantic. So he will be with Ma this year. And then Ryan Vogus will go from Leroy to Griffleball, who had a great year with Leroy getting them back to a top eight finish, but with Leroy not coming back, he'll be joining a already scary Griffleball roster. You know, those are three guys that all have mound experience, you know, and probably will be pitching in pool play, um, all three of them. But do you think there's any one that has a bigger impact on their team than the other? <laughs> Put me on the spot. Put you there, on the spot. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think uh, it's funny. I can only speak for myself in this scenario. And it's kind of cool, at least, you know, with, with uh, Ryan and I being friends and former CCW teammates. Yeah. Um, oh, and Leroy teammates. I was a, I was a, a taco once nice uh up there Leroy with with Ryan uh but it's kind of cool that we're you know took a one-year hiatus off of our main league and then are jumping on uh to another um obviously like I speaking for myself I am the dirtball commish I'm dirtball eligible I'm CCW eligible I know Trent Steffes has recruited uh Dudas and I to join the Mariners <laughs> team up in HRL uh in the summer so at some point we would be eligible if you know tournament yeah. was in the fall but um I think I'm planning on myself to be the least impactful <laughs> because <laughs> I want to have well maybe the most if you view it this way because I want to have the most impact on the tournament programming as a whole because I think it's beneficial for us as a committee to have like just one main person who's running yeah. around like a chicken with his head cut off. Yeah. Uh, and if I can just minimize and mitigate the amount of time I'm on the field, that helps. And that was one thing, you know, with, with uh, Will, unfortunately having to drop last minute, we talked between our, our dirt rosters that was kind of uh, on hold or yeah. uh, in reserve. And then with the CCW guys like, Hey, well, what if you throw in pool play and then if we need you to throw in relief later, if someone else's arm is falling off, we can call on you. But like you worry about making the thing run and making sure nobody's confused yeah. by this crazy bracket. So I'm voting for myself for least impactful on the field, but most impactful off. How about that? There you go. There you go. A safe answer for sure. Not having yeah. to tune them all. <laughs> and then another group I wanted to bring your attention to with, Without, you know, Ryan Bush coming and, uh, you know, John Surrey was a name that had been around for a long time um, coming to this tournament too. There is now looking at the rosters, unless something changes, you know, and it has to change pretty quickly if it's going to, but from what we know, 
there's three players, myself included, Jeremy Radijak and David Ayers. There's only three in the club that will make this their 11th out of 11 tournaments. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. They're really dwindling. Like every year there seems to be somebody that kind of drops off. Right. And this year it's, it's going to be very strange not to have Ryan Bush at an NWLA tournament. He's been like the guy on both sides of the ball. Um, so it's going to be strange not seeing him there, but those are the three guys that are left for the 11 out of 11 tournaments. So Rudy, it's going to be a great tournament. We thank you and Brendan and all of your guys um, from dirt and from CCW um, that are putting in the work to get this going. I really think this is going to be a big grassroots effort um, from everybody and you even coming down from the teams, not only traveling and getting there, but also filming their own games and, you know, letting us have kind of the freedom of not having to worry about that. You know, one thing that I think the NW tournament really prides itself on is while yes, there are times that the stats may be wrong, there's always stats. You guys have done a great job with that. And we're going to get the stats still ready to go and everybody stat keepers and all of that still at each field. And we want to thank all of the teams that are returning. And we want to thank even the, the teams that are not coming back, but I've still expressed interest and we know that they want to come back in future years. Um, it just didn't work out for them this year, kind of hit all at once. So the committee is going to do a great job to see what worked this year, what didn't work and make it so that we can get more teams out and back to the NLA tournament. Cause this is one of the best tournaments in wiffle ball history. It really is. It's one of the best tournaments and one of the most different and unique tournaments in wiffle ball than there's ever been bringing all-star teams from different leagues around around the country. Rudy, is there anything else you want to add to our, you know, format podcast here? You know, give the people uh, a little taste into what's going to happen in 2022. Yeah. I'll just add uh, to, to Tom Gannon's point that he gave us good perspective. You know, it's, it's sometimes we get lost in the quantity game and I I've always been a quality over quantity and a kind of a personality. And so I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that, you know, there's 12 teams. You don't have to view this as like a death rattle or anything. It's, yeah. I think it's uh, uh, the circumstances, like you talk about with timing, uh, travel costs being what they are. Like yeah. we're still, regardless if it's 12, 18, 24, 30 teams, we're still going to uh, cater to those that choose to come and choose to have a good time. So I'm excited for it, regardless of however many people show up uh, in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks. Well, again, Rudy, thank you so much for joining me. And everybody, thank you for listening. If you are listening on the National Wiffle Podcast Network, we will see you guys coming up on Friday, July 15th for the 11th installment of the NWLA Tournament. It's going to be really exciting to see which of the 12 teams make it to the dirt yard and which one will hoist the trophy. Will it be Tiger Woods and GBL or will it be the field? We will find out coming soon. Rudy, thanks for joining us. Everybody else, see ya.